you have your Bible, turn with me to the gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 6. In your bulletins, you'll see the services, the homegoing services for our dear brother, Manuel Campos, who went to be with the Lord last week. Um, you'll find the service times for this Thursday night and Friday morning. Uh, more information, you can call the church front office. We love the Campos family. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. In the sixth chapter of the Gospel of Mark, I'm going to read verses 1 through 13 with emphasis on verses 7 through 13, but I'd like to provide for us the context. And the context, Robert, is when we understand where the passage is coming from and we understand the whole essence of what the passage means. We need to understand what Jesus was doing with his disciples. We need to understand what was taking place in order so we can go deeper into our understanding of the word of God. When we understand the word of God on a deeper level, that has the power to transform our hearts. It has the power to transform the way we think. It has the power to open our eyes to see things that we may have never seen before. And that's called contextualization. Okay, so in Mark chapter 6, verse 1, I'd like to begin. It says this, And Jesus left there and went to his hometown. Somebody say hometown. Accompanied by his disciples. Who was Jesus with? When the Sabbath came, anybody know what the Sabbath is? It was a day of rest. And it was a day of worship for the Jews. Jesus was a Jew. His disciples were Jewish. Okay? They were the people of Israel. All right? And they celebrated or worshiped on the Sabbath, which began on Friday evening and culminated on Saturday evening. They weren't able to work. They weren't able to do a whole bunch of things. They had to focus solely on the word of God, on worship and coming together, all right, enjoying a great meal and a feast every week because it was, they were reminded that after the Lord created the heavens and the earth in six days, the Bible says, according to Genesis, that on the seventh day, which is the Shabbat, everybody say Shabbat or Sheba, God rested. It means he rested from his work. It's good for a believer to rest from their work. If you're working seven days a week, please pray about having a meeting with your boss and letting them know that you need a day of rest and that your, your health is, is um, suffering because of, of the long work schedule and the inability of for you to have the rest that you need, let them know that you need to um, preferably and prayerfully carve Sunday out of your schedule, which is the day that Christians gather and we celebrate and worship on Sunday, which is um, the day that Jesus rose from the grave. So the Christians, after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, began to observe their day of worship on Sunday. Somebody say Sunday is the Lord's day. Hallelujah. Sunday must be protected. Sunday is the Lord's day. If you're not able to take one day out of your busy week to be in the house of God, to pray, to worship, to greet one another, to be with your brothers and sisters in Christ, to have your heels nipped by the, the, the German shepherds or the, the, your, your little pastors, keeping us on the straight and narrow, 
God keeping all of us on the straight and narrow, then our priorities are out of whack. And we need to get our priorities back in line with the gospel of Jesus Christ and what he has called us to according to the word of God. Okay? According to the word of God. All right? And if you're your own boss and you're choosing to work on that day, then shame on you. If you say, oh, I have to. No, you don't. Let us exercise more faith in Christ. Let us figure out how we can entrust these things into the hands of God and bring the Lord into the equation of need because God knows your need before you even communicate it. Amen? Somebody say the Sabbath. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were amazed. Somebody say they were amazed. We're going to see that this is, the, this is one of two times in this chapter that someone is amazed. At this point, the people are amazed at Jesus' teaching. The people are amazed um, at the way Jesus expounds the scriptures. Okay? And what was Jesus teaching from? What was his Bible? What was his Bible? The Torah. Jesus would preach from the Torah, which was the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And he also taught from the prophets. Jesus often would teach from the prophets or the wisdom literature. Many Proverbs, many Psalms, Jesus would teach. That's what the rabbis would focus on whenever they would be teaching in the synagogues. Well, the people were amazed when they heard Jesus teach. Where did this man get these things, they asked. They had never seen him go through the school of rabbis. He was not a lawyer with credentials. He wasn't a, a, a licensed minister of any denomination. Except Jesus had the seal and the approval of Heavenly Father. Jesus had the seal and the approval of the Holy Spirit because Jesus is God himself. I don't just mean was, he is God himself. Jesus is both God and man. They couldn't understand where this man received this wisdom and this knowledge from. What's this wisdom that has been given him that he even does miracles? Isn't this the carpenter? Man, this guy's a construction man. How is he teaching in such a way? Isn't this Mary's son? They knew Mary because this was his hometown. And this, isn't this the brother of James? They knew his little brother James. You know that James was his younger brother, right? We all know that he wasn't the older, oldest brother, right? Because Jesus was Mary's first child. And Jesus conceived, uh, Jesus was conceived in the womb of Mary by the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's fundamental to our faith and our doctrine is to understand that God miraculously placed a seed in the womb of Mary and, con and she conceived a child. Okay, Joseph, Jesus's earthly father, was not his biological father. Can I hear an amen? amen. We need to see that this was one of the first miracles concerning Jesus is his birth order in his family. Joseph, 
Judas, and Simon. So he had a whole bunch of brothers, right? Come from a big family. And look what it says here. Did you know that Jesus had sisters? Aren't his sisters here with us? Aha. It's one of the only times you're actually going to see in Scripture a reference to Jesus' sisters. Although they are not named, all right, you need to understand that Jesus came from a big family, right? Much like the Brady Bunch. It was a blended family. Any of us come from blended families today? Any of us have children from, from um, in, you know, um, who father who had children before he got married to your mom and, and you got stepbrothers and, or stepsisters, right? You got, you got family that's adopted. You got, we got a whole big happy family, praise God. And the family of faith, God has such a wonderful imagination and a wonderful creation as to how he brings families together. Even the holy family had dynamics. Can I hear an amen? Even the holy family, the, the holy, imperfect, and perfect family, the family that Jesus came from was a blended family with all of its story, with all of its drama. Joseph marrying a woman who had a child and was conceived of, of, of Jesus, the Son of God. How about having to live that out for the rest of your life? How about having to be a, a little brother or a little sister of the one they going around pointing at saying, oh, I, uh, and he's supposed to be special. How about, how about, how about, hey, hey, hey teenagers, pay attention. How about, how about having to walk in the shoes of Jesus? How about, how about having to identify with Jesus being a teenager and not being accepted? How about, how about being Jesus and going to school and the other kids not wanting to sit at Jesus' table? How, 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 about, how about all the kids not wanting to befriend Jesus because they knew the things that they were doing in their life and, and, and they were just wondering if Jesus thought he was better than them? Can I be real? We got a lot of young people in the church. All the young people stand up. If you're 25 years of age or younger, stand up. 25 years of age or, or younger, stand up. Come on, young people, stand up. Look, everybody in the house. Look at all these young people. Look at in the booth. Look at all these young people. Put your hands together for all these young people. Come on, church, you can do better than that. Let them know their love. Let them know that we're praying for them. Let them know that they're not alone. Don't sit down, Nathan. Nathan, stand up, Mija, stand up. Stand up, you too, Mija. All the, all the under 25, stand up. Y'all didn't, didn't obey very well. All the under 25, stand up. Put that rebellious spirit behind you. All the young people, stand up. Come on, young people. Don't be, don't be shy. We see you. Don't, 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 no, stand up. Stand up, young lady. Thank you. Stand up. We see you. Stay, remain standing. We see you. We see you. You're not alone. You are accepted in the family of Christ. You have a purpose, young people. Your identity, your calling is in Jesus Christ. You have a spiritual DNA. You have a spiritual DNA that you cannot get out of your system if you try to. 
You hear me, mija? There is a spiritual DNA in you, mija. You are a daughter of the Most High. Hallelujah. You're a son, a prince, and, and a princess. Hallelujah. Now, young people, you can sit down. You just received a baptism into the ministry of Mission Ebenezer. You just received a baptism and a Holy Spirit anointing and unction over your lives. And I thank you for cooperating and for obeying. Nothing wrong with obeying. Obey is not a taboo word. Obedience is a word in the word of God. Hallelujah. Obedience will take you a long way. I obey all the time. I obey my wife. I obey my daughter when she says, Daddy, I'm hungry. I say, yes, son, what would you like? I like peanut butter and jelly sandwich. If you could cut the ends off, that'll be even better. Yes, your wish is my command. Ain't nothing wrong with obeying. The most important thing is that we obey the Lord. We obey the word of God. That we make God's will our will. Amen? Amen. Let's continue reading. Aren't his sisters here with us? His baby sisters. Jesus had baby sisters. It's awesome. He called them mija. Mija, if you don't know, in Spanish it means my daughter, mi hija. It's an endearing term and word. And they took offense at Jesus when he was teaching. Just like some had the temptation to take offense of the things that I just said right now. Because the flesh is in all of us. Flesh is in all of us. Flesh is in all of us. Okay? The word of God is offensive. Isn't it? Teenagers, the word of God is offensive. You living for Christ and going to that campus Bible club this Wednesday on your high school campus, it's offensive to a lot of kids on that campus. But don't be ashamed. Let people deal with things the way they choose to deal with them, but treat them with the love of Jesus. You don't got to meet people where they are. Meet them with the love of Jesus and the spirit of Christ, the spirit of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said to them, only in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own house is a prophet without honor. Jesus came back to his neighborhood. They started throwing stones at him, started calling him names. Started disrespecting, started whispering, started saying things, started spreading gossip and rumors. He was being spiritually attacked here at the synagogue when he was teaching the word of God. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. It's the second time we see the word amazed, perplexed. Why were they amazed? Why was he amazed? Why was he amazed? 
And why were they amazed at the beginning of the chapter? At the way that he taught, the things that he did, the miracles that he was doing. They had heard about all these stories. So they had come when they all, this, all of a sudden they heard that Jesus was teaching there in the synagogue. Everybody started coming. Hey, Jesus, Jesus is from Nazareth. Jesus is back and he's teaching there in the synagogue. Everybody started to come and hear what he was doing because they had heard all the stories, all the rumors. And now Jesus was looking at them there while he was teaching to them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. And the scripture says that the gospel was inhibited. It was inhibited. The gospel was being prevented from going forward. Miracles. The work of God was being prevented, obstructed from taking place. That meant that people that were sick were not able to receive their healing because there were folks who were getting in the way. They were getting in the way. And what did, what did it say right here? Why was he amazed? Because of what? Their lack of faith. Their lack of faith. So the lack of faith was getting in the way of the work of God. Their lack of faith. I want you to think about that for a moment. The lack of faith. The lack of faith. The lack of faith. Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the 12 to him. And he sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. He sent them out two by two. Everybody put your hands up. You know, in the football games, the fourth quarter comes and everybody goes like this, right? It's fourth quarter, fourth quarter. You could be down by 50 points and everybody's like, it's the fourth quarter. I like that, you know, the spirit of never, 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 don't give up. But Jesus, Jesus sent them out two by two. You guys know what this sign means? This means victory, doesn't it? It's a military sign. That school from the other side of town, they do that, they do that at their football games. USC, they, they, do, they do this. It means victory. I'm a Bruin, so, you know, you won't see me doing this too often. But they went two by two. Jesus called his disciples. They went into the surrounding villages, and then they, he sent them out two by two. Two by two. He sent them out two by two. And he gave them authority over evil spirits. I'm going to pause there for a moment. Jesus called his disciples. He set the lay of the land. And then he says, now you're going to get ready to go and do ministry. We need to understand what took place at the end of chapter 5. It's one of the precursors to chapter 6. In chapter 5, there was a young girl who had died. And they had invited Jesus to come and heal her. And Jesus got to the house where this young girl had died who was sick. And Jesus sent everybody else out of the house 
They were already mourning. They were already grieving. They had already had the local physician come and pronounce her dead. Jesus came and he walked in and he says, don't worry, she's only sleepy. And they all started laughing, including the town physician. Ha! <laughs> ah! Don't worry, she's only sleepy. While everybody laughed, Jesus called his disciples and he says, you guys come with me. And then he called her parents, mom, dad, come with me. We're going to go into the operating room. How many of you know that Jesus is the great physician? Amen. How many of you know Jesus is the greatest heart doctor ever was? Amen. Hallelujah. How many of you know God could take a heart of stone and turn it into a heart of flesh? Amen. Jesus took a dead girl and he said, she's only sleepy. And he walked in there with that small group of disciples and her parents. And he said, Talitha Kum. And the young girl came back to life. And they were all witnesses. Why did Jesus invite the disciples to go in, into the room with him? Do you think he needed a, 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 a fan section? Yeah, come on, Jesus. Let's go, Jesus. You can do it. You think Jesus needed that? Why do you think he invited them in there with him? To witness. Why do you think Jesus wanted to create eyewitness for these types of accounts? So that they could see that all things are possible with God. To him who believes. Mary is referenced here in Mark chapter 6. You're not going to get much of the, the birth narrative of Christ in the beginning of the gospel of Mark. It just doesn't do it. Mark chapter 1 begins with Jesus' baptism at the River Jordan with the Holy Spirit descending upon him like a dove and whom God speaks from heaven and says, my son, who I am well pleased. It skips all of that, but at least we get a reference here to his mother Mary. All things are possible to him who believes, Scripture says. How important is that? For us as believers to know that God wants our faith to, to grow. God wants to build our faith. We read verse 6 in chapter 6 that said, and Jesus was amazed at what? Their lack of faith. I want to ask us the question. Are we experiencing a lack of faith in the church today? Are we experiencing lack of faith in our own personal lives? Have we just become so comfortable and so accustomed to saying, oh, you know what, we'll just go to this method or, or that method or, or we'll, just, we'll just go to the wisdom of men. Oh, you know what, we just might as well give up. And God has called us to be a people of faith. The last time I checked, we are called a people of faith. But is there a lack of faith in the people of faith? Because if there's a lack of faith in the people of faith, then we are not living up to our name. We're not living up to who Christ has called us to be as people of faith. We're not just people of faith because we put our faith in Jesus. We're also people of faith because we believe that God can do all things. Amen. 
We believe that God can do the impossible. Jesus was amazed at the lack of faith that he saw in his own hometown. So he called his disciples in. In chapter 5, Mark says, to build their faith. He's preparing them. He's calling them. He's equipping them. And what does he do now in chapter 6? Say it again. He sends them. He doesn't just send them one at a time. What does the scripture say that he does? He sends them two by two. Why does he send them two by two? He sends them two by two so that both can be witnesses one to the other in times of difficulty. He sends them two by two so that they could look out for each other, so that they could pray for one another, so that they could intercede for one another, so that they can build one another up in the faith. So that when one, one person starts to slip in their faith and starts to, to entertain a little bit of doubt, the other one could say, no, in the name of Jesus, let's rebuke that right now in the name of Jesus. We are people of faith. We will not succumb. We will not relent. We will not give in to the word of the enemy. We will not give in, but we will hold fast and we will hold on tight to the word of the Lord. Amen. He sent them out two by two. Two by two. And then he said, he sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. I believe God has given us the authority over evil spirits. It's not just the pastor. The believer, if you have the stamp of Jesus Christ on your life and in your heart, then you have the ability to pray and come against evil spirits. Come against a spirit of violence. You can come against a spirit of depression. You can come against a spirit of loneliness. You can come against the spirit of self-loathing or self-hate. We have to go to the word of God so that the spirit of God can edify our lives. And that's why we're able to encourage one another, husbands and wives, should you encourage one another? Husbands and wives, God has called you two by two to go together. And others of us that are in the body of Christ, God has given us one another in the body of Christ to do this great work, to walk this, this faith out that he's called us into. Amen. Hallelujah. You're not alone. I want you to know that you're not alone. I want you to know that if you've invited Jesus Christ to come into your heart, if you've confessed the name of Jesus over your life, you have more power than you realize. You have the power over darkness. Hallelujah. God calls, calls us and sends us out two by two. He's given us authority over evil spirits. Spirit of confusion, in the name of Jesus, get behind me in the name of Jesus. Spirit of doubt, a lack of faith, get behind us in the name of Jesus. Somebody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Hey, you guys, the Lord is calling us, the church, to wake up. God is calling us, the church, to a greater faith. God is calling us, the church, to a greater belief. Hey, we got any young men that are, that are unmarried and want to be married? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. We got one that wants to be married one day. We got another one over there. We got another brother over here. Any, anybody got another brother over here? We got another brother over here. Guess what? You want to marry a woman of God? Yes? Yes? Well, then you better get your faith in line and in accordance with the will of God fast. Real fast. Because ain't no young woman of God want anything to do with a young man who doesn't have his faith solid, solidly rooted in the word of God and in his faith. And the same could be said for a young lady. Let us, let us get our faith where it needs to be. Don't go looking for a husband or a wife in a bar. But if that's the way you met and then you got saved, well, praise God. Hallelujah. He redeems all things. Uh, you just bumped into each other. You know, you were just, you were, you were shopping, right, at the Dollar Tree next door and just had to use the bathroom over there, right? Praise God. All joking aside, the Lord has called us and sent us out two by two. And then he gave us this, these instructions. The children's ministry is going to be upset with me. Sorry, Tia Eto. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, a stick, in case you need to beat off the perros. Beat off the dog, beat away the dogs. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra tunic. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off of your feet when you leave as a testimony against them. Jesus said that. That's why when Pastor Moffat called me yesterday and said, Pastor Canales, I'm in town. I said, praise the Lord. Come on through. Oh, sorry, brother, Pastor Moffat. We already have the program set. Oh, the, the, the agenda is already, it's been approved by the church board. We already prayed on, on the flow of service and we have it down to the minute. We just simply don't have room for you today. Would you want us to be living under that curse? Let me ask that again to the West Side. Y'all weren't very convincing. Would you want us to be under that curse because your pastor says, sorry, not today. We'll see you next year. Or would you rather us be a part of the work of God and welcome the wonderful surprise of one of our missionaries who traveled 20 hours by by bus, by train, by aeroplane, across the pond, all the way to come to seek mission support and help, and not just a prayer, but a hand, a financial hand, that we make your burden our burden because it's God's burden, Pastor Moffitt, that when you leave this week from Los Angeles, you will not leave empty-handed. That may, may, may you receive an abundance of blessing from not only our church, but from all the churches that, that welcome you in Jesus' name. I'm going to speak spiritual. I'm going to speak prophetic because we need more prophecy. We need more spiritual conviction in the church. We need to be about the Lord's business, and we have to make his business our business. Oh, but the game's coming on, Pastor. Man, forget the game. Whoever's going to win is going to win. I'm praying that the Buccaneers win. 
because my brother is the offensive coordinator, and that's a blessing for his family. It's a blessing for ours. And they tithe here, and they give monetary blessings to this house. So when they do well, God's work does well. So let's pray for Coach Dave, okay? <laughs> Amen. We ain't no fool. It takes money to run the work of God. And it's God's creativity, and it's our trust and our faith in him to provide for the needs of his work in his ministry. Jesus says, go by faith. Don't take an extra tunic. No extra change of clothes. But you need to wear some sandals because you're going to be walking through some thorns and thistles. You might even have to run when somebody tries to run you out of town. You never know. You might come across a legionnaire. You might, you might come across somebody with a thousand demons. And you might have to fight them off with a stick until you cast that, those demons out. How many of you remember that story in the Gospel of Mark? Jesus knew what he was talking about, but he says, go by faith and go two by two and look out for each other and trust that, God, that I will provide for all of your needs. Don't take any food with you, he says. Wherever you go, you will work and earn your keep. Don't take any extra water with you. Wherever you go, you will earn your keep and you will be fed and you will give, you'll be given water when you need water. Jesus took the things of God seriously. The things of the Father, Jesus took the things seriously. What did Jesus say to Joseph when Joseph and Mary were look, looking for him when he was 12 and he had just been there at the temple with them and they had been looking for him after a couple of days journey back home and they said, where's Jesus? They went back to the temple and where'd they find him? Talking with the rabbis. Joseph says, Jesus! And he went and was about to pull Jesus by his ear. Jesus was like, he said, didn't you know I'm about, I'm about my father's business? Jesus takes the, 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 the father's business seriously, as should we. As should we. He says, and if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off of your feet when you leave as a testimony against them. Let's wrap it up right here. They went out and preached that people should repent. Did you just hear that? No wonder why the people were, were offended. What does repentance mean? Come on, come on, no, no. what does repentance mean? That you turn around, you, you, you change. You make a conscious decision to, to live a different way, to turn from your old way of life. Repent means that you were going one way, you stopped, and then you, you had to go the other way. That's what repentance means. So when he says repent and preach the message of repentance, what's the message that they're going to preach? That's right, leave your sin. Walk away from your sin. Turn away from sin and follow God. Turn away from sin and realign yourself with the word of God. Turn away from your sin and realign ourselves with heaven. Turn away from our selfish agenda and realign ourselves with the agenda of God. Turn away from your personal business and realign yourself with the Father's business. That's what he's saying. Make the things of heaven 
our priority. They drove out many demons, demons of selfishness, demons of greed, demons of hatred, demons of violence. And anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. They went out two by two. Hey, come on, let's go. All right, vámonos. Let's go. Let's go. The both of us. Hey, you, you lead this time. Okay, I got it. I'll lead the next time. All right, praise God. Amen. I want to ask you to stand. I'm going to put some uh, questions up here on the board. Pull out your phones. Just take a picture of these questions. I want to encourage you to go home tonight, have a family dinner around the table. I want you to have a family devotion. I want you to read through this chapter again. All right? Take a picture. All right? Take a picture. We'll send it through the church app. Can we send it through the church app? We'll send these questions through the church app. We were going to have a time of prayer here today. We're going to have a time of prayer today together, two by two, but we don't have that time. So I want to invite each and every one of us in our homes, meet up with somebody else. If you don't have somebody to, to talk with, call them up on the phone or FaceTime, all right, and have this time and ask these questions. Number one, why was Jesus amazed by their lack of faith? Number two, do you believe there is lack of faith in Christians today? Number three, how can we build our faith And number four, why did Jesus send his disciples out two by two? I want you to discuss these things amongst yourselves. I want you to take these things to prayer. I want to pray that the Holy Spirit builds your faith and builds the faith of the church up once more so that God can work and that people will come to know Jesus and receive salvation because of the work of God that is taking place. Father, we love you. And we bless you, Lord. Take us from this place, but never from your parent, your presence. And we pray this today in the powerful, matchless name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. God bless you, church. I love you. Go into the world. Hallelujah.